Welcome back, Rabbi Dr. Eliezer Brat. It is a pleasure to be with you once again. Last episode, got lots of feedback. Um, I don't know if you want to share it. It's prepared to share yet. Um, but people were fascinated by the conversation, whether Rav Chaim was a Paisik and when he was writing that nothing that he writes is a Libra de Hilchasa, we should Paskin like it, and the history of others for him that were written with that type of of warning was a fascinating conversation. And we're going to follow up a little bit um, on that and a little bit more on Rav Chaim responding and writing so many letters to thousands upon thousands of people. And we're also going to have something a little bit contemporary, letters and conversations that Rav Chaim had back and forth with Rav Dov Landau, Shlita, Kard Rosh Yeshiva in Slabatka. So we're looking forward to this. We once again thank our sponsor, anonymous sponsor for season two of Reb Chaim, which I'm told this is the second to last episode. That's what I've been I've been told. Um, and then we're going to have some more topics in different areas. People have ideas. They're welcome to write in. Um, sponsorships are always available. Rabbi Brutt spends incredible amounts of time preparing, researching these works. So please reach out to myself at M at ou.org or Rabbi Brutt at eliezerbrutt at gmail.com. Once again, if you want to be added to any one of his lists, Rabbi Brutt sends out fascinating material, specifically before Yom Tovim. Purim is coming up. Today is Yom Kippur Katan, Erev Rosh Chedesh Adar Aleph. Rabbi Brutt, I'm sure, is already preparing what his Purim send is going to be. So feel free to reach out and be added to that list as well. With that... Too long of an introduction. Here is Rabbi Brat. <laughs> no, not too long. It's fine. You have to listen to me for much longer, so it's perfectly fine. Um, okay, so basically last week, sorry, the last episode we spoke about, we moved into Rabbi Kanievsky's vast letters that he published um, that ended up getting, some of them are getting published or are being published also in the works. And we, and we discussed the question that many asked in his lifetime, and people asked, spoke about during their spadim, is why did Chaim Knievsky spend so much time every day answering dozens and dozens of letters for years and years? I don't, I still have not found when he exactly started um, answering so many letters daily, but at one point it seems it was over 80 letters a day. Um, so the question is, why did he feel it was so important? And the, the complaint was is this took away from him writing other great works, such as he began his work, Dar Chachma, on Kachim. And because of this, he was not able to finish it. He, he told this to people. So, as I said already last week, this was a question that Rechaim Kanevsky was asked. Like everything else that he was asked, he was also asked this. So we don't have to speculate why Rechaim Kanevsky felt so important. And he basically said um, at different times, he said these three answers um, to other people, but the person that we quoted from was Rav Tiger, who was able to have a very close relationship with Rechaim Knievsky over a period of 20 years. So one was, Rechaim Knievsky held it some form of Talmud Torah, the Talmidim. Because we know, Vishnantun Levanecha, Eila Talmidim. He wasn't able to, he didn't have a stellar as Rosh Hashiva or Rosh Kailu. So this was his way of being Marbet's Torah through these letters. Okay? Another thing was, we said, um, that he was mentioned was, he wanted to give... Um, because it, it it caused by getting these letters, the senders would get his rakshus and feel very good, and they would 
be inspired to learn further. And a third thing was simply Rachmanis. They send them letters. Um, and they want it was more it was some type of a chesed type of thing. Now, so th- these were the these were the three answers that Chaim Kanievsky said. So what we spoke about in the previous episode was, amongst other things, was is that there's a that I was trying to locate um, where this comes from. And I, my suggestion was we spoke by Richos was is there's a a piece from Reb Chaim Valozhner in the Hagdama to Nefesh Chaim, Reb Yitzchak Valozhner brings down that his father used to tell him all the time, that you're not created for yourself, but what is to help people, whatever you're able in your strength to do. So I spoke about that concept. Now, and I gave some sources and um, in the in the Valajan world about this Nakuda. So I so I want to just um, mention very briefly, not to go full force into this topic, but just to mention some other pratim about this. So I was t- so um, one of the books that I've quoted numerous numerous times throughout the Shiurim is the book about the Chavetz Chaim written by his son Reb Leib. So interestingly enough, a gadol that I when I, my reaction. Um, every time I read the book of Rebleib on his father, uh, each time I get more and more mispilus um, to the Chavetz Chaim. And one of the things that I take took away from when I read the book again and again is, you see the Chavetz Chaim was Ishmaisa. What does it mean Ishmaisa? He wasn't, let's say, Mishnah Brewer, right? So he wasn't out there to go put out, he's going to work on the, on Shulchan Aruch and he's going to put in all his tyrus and everything. No. He felt it was a tremendous need. He actually tried to hire people or to get encourage other gedolim to put it out. No one was, no one took the bait to do it, so he he had to do it himself. And he realized, it, and he felt that there was a need for this work at the time. What that is, um, actually, middle of working on um, what was the need exactly, why he, what he felt about it. He deals with it a little bit in his introduction, and he went ahead and he goes and spends. He devotes twenty five years to put out this massive work, Mishnah Brewer, which today is is a, unbelievable. What the pay is from this work. Now, what happened is he held that this was this is important. But on the other hand, he doesn't go and put all his Tyran Archaim into this six volumes. It sounds like it would have been much, much bigger work. What was important and what was necessary is what he what he put together. And he even told his son, Rebleib, um, different times, it's not about putting it's not about to show off your Tyra and to just stand right and everything. It's it has to have a major Tayala. So everything was Aitzkhajan, what was included in the safer. So, so basically, the Chavetz Chaim saw a need, and he went ahead for the Tzibur, and he went and gave himself fully, fully 25 years. Again, it's not 25 years, it's 24 hours learning just this. He was involved with many other things. But when, when you see all of a sudden other things the Chavetz Chaim did, when a different need would come up, if it was necessary, he would write a safer about it. He would get involved. He would travel. He would go. He was, he was ish. He didn't just sit. Not that there's a problem if someone does just sit, as we'll see shortly. But the Chavetz Chaim was a, a doer. Of things, and you see this ter- certain type of musig of this nakuda that I'm throwing from Rav Chaim Velazhner. Now, okay, this is the Chavetz Chaim, but interestingly enough, as I was um, looking about this, so I, cu- I, forget, I actually forgot about this, is the Chavetz Chaim, there was a conversation specifically about this between the Chavetz Chaim and his son Reb Leib. Reb Leib was it seems like from this book um, was a tremendous tremendous Talmud Chacham. He was inv- we very discussed. He was involved with the writing of the Mishnah Bura and all different things. And he lived with his father a lot of the time. And it see- so he writes at one point in time when he was younger, 
was Isaac a lot bechesed He was helping this, um, and and it is actually reasons behind what was going on, and um, that one could find when you read the book. And and the Chafetz Chaim told him, it's not to, that you're being Isaac in it too much. What do I do? Says the Chafetz Chaim. I write svarim. If I see there's a problem, I write svarim, and then through that people get better. But the MS and he, and he, um. And then, and then Rebbe writes in parentheses, which is what I quoted last week from Rechaim Velazhner, that even though Rechaim Velazhner says such a thing of doing and doing, doing for other people, but if you look in Ruach Hayim, there's a sugya Ma'ikatim. Rechaim Velazhner tells too the sugya Ma'ikatim, which says it has to be things. If it's things that's efshalases alidei cheirim, ain't lachacham levatli mudoi. So he was sort of giving his son Rebbe, who was being Isaac in in Tzarchei um, Tzibur, which is a tremendous thing. But he was giving a muster that you have to be careful when, and there has to it has to fit into halachic guidelines. Okay, so all I'm saying is, Rav Chaim Kanievsky, Lakula Alma, even though he was doing this, it, we're going to see actually shortly through what I'm going to say in the next um, say today was l- l- being Mekayim the Chavetz Chaim Arasayif, even with this muster that he was giving Rablaib. Okay, we'll get that in a second. Now, interestingly enough, I saw that the the, the Tartimim writes about his father in the Makar Baruch, that the Arachalim was also against certain Rabbanim, he doesn't say who, um, that he felt they were being too Isaac in Tzarchei Tzibur. Okay. Lamaisa, interestingly enough, we know different G'daylim, they were very Isaac in Tzarchei Tzibur. Um, again, each Gadol is its own story and needs to know what the parameters are, and each one was able to paskin and know what they were doing, and, and then some. Ladogma, Rabbi Kiva was Yadua, was very involved daily in a hospital. Um, and this is a whole fascinating discussion when it comes to talking about Rabbi Kiva Rabbi Yisrael Salanter, we know from accounts, he gave up a lot of his own learning. He was a guy in Eilam, but because he felt the tremendous necessity, what the world, what was going on in the world at the time, and 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 so much so that when it was brought to his attention about someone that was just sitting and learning, um, the Talus had filmed the whole day, and, and he and he tackled his learning, and he said no, Rabbi Solanter wasn't impressed. He was saying is that sometimes there's a nakuda of worrying about the dar, so. Rebchaim Kanievsky, according to what I'm trying to bring out, is this is his way. He, there was a necessity for this, so he felt, yes, it has to sacrifice his svarim on this expense. Okay. Now, I've quoted a bunch of times, um, numerous times, actually, the Godlmi Minsk, the book about the Godlmi Minsk. So I, I quoted it endless times. I, I was very into it, uh, ready through the inspiration of Rebzal Gepstein, always hearing Rebzal Gepstein always quote these in schmoozing and conversations. That was written by the seed Rameir Halpern. Rameir Halpern, I mentioned, was a tremendous Talmud Chacham who was a, the tutor of the children of the Gadlomimins. So, and he, through this, he spent a lot of time in the house of the Gadlomimins, and he had many conversations with him. So, at one point, they have a series of conversations, and it seems that he um, he he was telling him he was giving him sort of like complaints that people were saying that uh you know you're too busy you only answer sh- that you only answer Shilas and Alacha, you're not involved in the tzibur you don't go visit the even the talmud Torah. you don't go give them um, um visiting them to check to make a reishim on the talmidim and he has a few pages fascinating fascinating conversation back and forth between him and the gadol Minsk, sort of saying complaints that people in the city of Minsk, it's not a small little shtetl, it's a big city, had about the, this Gadol, who was the, the chief rabbi of the city. And um, and the Gadol in Minsk answers him up beautifully and talks about it. He says, yes, it's true, there is a Meir de Kazakh 
of um, we find through our Chazal of being Isaac and Tzarchi Tzibur is an important thing, but it's not for every person. He says the problem is, and, and he, how he writes this out, um, one of the fascinating things about this Sefer is that this author, as I just said, was tremendous Lama Chacham. So he knew how to write, unbelievable. Um, anyway, so he says it's like this. People, and this is a Musar Haskell for people out of Yom. People um, read a lot of different things about a lot of different people, or they hear different things a lot of different people. So they envision themselves a perfect rug that's able to be multi-talented and have all types of skills and all, every. He's able to do everything. He's the best in learning, but he's also the best in this, the best in this. He's also the biggest in and and Muntzigal says this is far from true. It's not realistic. You want a, a rav, and he said Lamashal when the city of Minsk, they took me. They knew. They checked into me. I I didn't hide anything. They checked my place where I was before. I was who I was. I was a paisik. That's it. I wasn't a person that's going around to be involved with all the different things. And then he also stalls through the Gemara Ma'ikatan again. But anyway, the point is, um, it's a fascinating conversation. Well worth one reading um, the the pages about it. I'm not going to quote all the aspects, but you see here. Again, that is this Nakuda, different Gedalim, and different people even have different jobs in Kali Yisrael, and there's definitely room and a necessity for people that are Isaac and Sarchi Tzibur and the highest order. But Rukhain Knievsky was, was doing it his way for the, he felt the necessity for the Tzibur. But um, there's two other aspects, and, th and that's why I feel it's not only the Nakuda of Sarchi Tzibur, Chesed, as he said, or feeling bad for the people, and everything is like this. Number one is, that which he does, which Rukhain Kinski said in these answers, is also for the. This is his way of being Marbitz Tyra. So there is a question, and this question has been asked and discussed by many people. I, I, I um, which is as follows: People, it comes to talk, and we, and I already mentioned something a little bit about this, which is as, as follows: Sometimes people are not sure what um, what career they should take. Should they remain, let's say, learning in Kailo or? Um, or, and they get a job. They, they get a job offer to become a mechanic of whatever it is. So they feel it's going to it's a sac, it's going to be a tremendous sack. And they're able to obviously. This is talking about people that financially at that point they're still able to continue learning, but they feel. But the, the main concern is they take the job. It's going to come at a sacrifice for their own Torah learning. So I mentioned already um, um, in the previous episode, Lamashal Reb Shlomo Zalman Orbach. Um, he was learning Kailul for 19 years, Ram and everything, and, and then he got this stellar uh, offer to be a stellar Rashivan called Torah, and he had a big shayla. Should he switch careers, so to speak? And he wasn't sure, and Lysi was told yes. So, but part of the question, which many Rabbanim have asked um, at, at different times in their lives to their Rabbanim, so to speak, is what about? What about this? I'm going to go down and learning because I'm, I'm now have to be Isaac and preparing for my Talmudah. So there's a concept which I don't even know how many people say it, but the one Maramakam that I have that says it often is the flaw. In his Akdama to Mesechtes Ksuvis, in Chumash Panam Yafas al a few times he says this, and that is don't ever worry about it. The, a Rebbe gets so much from a Talmud that he can't even imagine that even though it appears at this point in time, you might be thinking, oh, I'm going down. No, it's unbelievable what you are getting from being a Rebbe. This is what Afla writes. Kedai to see it inside in the incredible Hagdama of his on Ksuvis. He also says it in Panam Yafis, I think, in Parshish Chayisara and other places also where he deals with this thing. I I, I, I once said, as it's, it turns out that the Panam Yafis, we don't even know most, the Panam Yafis was a Rosh Hashim for years and years and years, but we don't know most of his Talmud, but we do know one Talmud of his, the Chsam Seifer. If you had the Talmud known as the Chsam Seifer, it definitely, there's the Eish Mashu in these words of the Panam Yafis of actually happening. Now, 
Interestingly enough, there's a letter um, um, published in Darke Chaim from the great Gadol Reb Chaim Yaakov Naftali Zilberberg. So this is a fascinating work, a year that had to do with um, all types of Gedalim, the Beisalei, the others. And Bekitzer was asked a le- in a letter, which was a similar type of question, which was asked. Um, by the fact that it's going to, it's going to affect your your shamayim or your shleimus and learning, should you should you be concerned about this? And he said, no, not at all. And he writes and he writes beautifully in this letter. Also, he was giving aids, I think, to his son um, about pursuing some type of career. And he also said the same type of nakuda that we that I'm quoting from the hafla. Um, I'm not not as not the same wording as Afla, but a similar type of nakuda, which is don't worry about it. Hashem Yisbarach um, um, makes it that that with vi talmidim, you're not. You might think you're going to go down, but you, you're not going to be going down at all. The tri- interestingly enough, just two other marmakaimis on this. There's a shmuz the Trebina Rav um, said such a thing. Also, people have to know this from the talmidim. You gain unbelievable amounts. Um, I also saw recently Rashmul Orbach. He was nervous when he got his Steller to become a Rosh Hashiva, um, if it's possibly going to go affect his learning. Um, I think he even had a conversation with it about his wife. He said, Lomaisa, they say that it's not going to affect it. Okay. Uh, if, if it's true or not, I can't say. Now, but, but now the question is, but what is there any more to this Nakuda with this concept of from Talmidim? And so I feel, and this is what I feel is even more in the galus of these letters of Rebbe Kanievsky. On one hand, someone looks at these letters, and there are so, so many of them. You're like, okay, what's the point of these letters? Because a lot of these, what, what do I mean? A lot of these letters are asking simple questions. Um, um, they're not, um, they could be a, a bacher, a, a 12-year-old bacher, you know, whatever. A 10-year-old bacher had some question, he's learning a thing, you know, Mishnah Brura. He could ask his Rebbe, and Rebbe Kanievsky is taking the time to answer him. The answer is, I think, like this. Um, and this is built on another Nakuda, back to this book with the Minsk Gadol. There was a complaint to the Minsk Gadol, another such complaint that, that was voiced, and it was like this. Why do Rabbanim, back in the day, and even today it's Nagea, why do we find that they write chuvists? They write chuvists to people not in their cities. They're hired to deal with their cities. So what are they doing going and answering questions to people outside that they don't know, they never met. What are they doing getting involved? Let them be busy with their city and their city alone. Then another another similar complaint was people walk in and they see the Rav, he's learning Tyrus or he's learning Iolus or, or different things that are not in the He's like, chutzpah, make sure you know the, the Nashim and Ezekin or the Archaim and Yanim. What are you doing learning all these things? What, what's going on here? As that complaint they had to the Minsk Gadol, obviously this is fascinating. This this person had a, such a tremendous relationship with the Minsk Gadol. He was able to bring this up. I don't know how many Rabbanim today, if some Reishki, if some guy, a Balabas and their Kehillah would start talking to them about these things, how it would go over. But anyway, the point is like this. The Minsk Gadol said, what are you talking about? That's the whole point of a Rav. That's how a Rav remains a Rav. He has to be Isaac in all areas. That's how he learns. That's how he knows how to answer. Adarab, you want him to know the answer for everything? That's how he keeps his skills going. And by the fact that Gufa, he's learning even Kachim and Tyrus, because Kala Kula is Nagea to answer everything. You, it's not enough to learn Archaim and just know Archaim. 
as I quoted already in season one with Rechaim Kanievsky, the, with the Rechaim Velozhner and Rechaim points this out, how you paskening Aguna Shilas from places that you never would think. That, and that's what we see from the fascinating stories with all different Gedolim that we have throughout the generations, that their knowledge in Kalatar Kula was what helped them, and it wasn't enough that they just were an expert in, let's say, Arachayim. Now, so this is what the Minsk Gadol said, and he said, and he, furthermore, this is an Akuda in, they, the, the Chuvis is a way that they keep in touch. They, it's a, like a speaking and learning. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add to this in, in much more in this, shortly when I discuss the letters between Rav Dov Landau and Mechan Kanievsky. But one more Nakuda over here, and like this. To add to this Nakuda with the Minsk Gadol is like this. The best type of Chazara one will find is, is it, it was what Rukhain Kanievsky got. Rukhain Kanievsky had a Seder, we discussed this a million times already, called Chayvis, that every day he was being, at, um, he, he, he had a set amount of, of material that he would learn, and he would be Messiah all areas of, literally called Tarakula every year. So now, how does one keep on their toes and make sure that they know it. The best way is by all being asked all types of questions under the sun. Now, you'll ask a Rav, an honest Rav, and I'll tell you, how does he make sure that he knows Hilchus Pesach? What the answer is, because he spends before Pesach um, a few weeks preparing and learning Mishnah Berurah, it's not enough. There's a, there's a, it's known. There's a tremendous Yatta Shmaya. I, I, I might have mentioned this in the past. The Tziv Lashel says it. Um, Rabbi Pesach Frank goes with this that a rav has tremendous yafta shmaya when he's answer, when he's answering the shaila, but but there's another nakuda when a rav is constantly tested. So his best chazara of Pesach is when he's asked the whole time all the questions. So he ha- so first of all, a rav he wants to make sure he's keeping his job. He wants to keep his kahal happy. He wants to give them proper answers. But all this is helping. It's it's a it's a kaseder chazara. So Chaim Kanievsky every day he's getting let's say eighty to hundred questions. He's literally chazering kaseder tons because people it became known after a certain period of time, especially. You could talk to this. You could write to this person about anything. So he's being tested, so to speak, about everything. So it's 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 not only it's 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 similar to what in the Minsk Gadol's answer was, which you have to read very carefully how he writes it out beautifully in this book on the on the Minsk Gadol. Um, there's obviously different cliches, but the point is that vi talking and learning and being asked questions that is the best chazar. I once remarked a comment, and that was like this. At a certain age, yeshiva guys get are, um, um, are very proud of themselves that they know how to learn, and they tend to uh, mock or make fun of their their rabbeim. What I mean, their rabbeim, their high school rabbeim. They get to base medrash. They think they're sometimes their world's greatest lamdanim. They were they already learning a year or two lamdus, and their high school rabbeim have no shaykes, and they or other rabbeim have no shaykes. And the point is like this. So I will I put it in perspective. I say like this: in many high schools. What happens is a Rebbe, besides for preparing the material, he has to um, spend a lot of time because he has to break it down for all levels of the class. I'm talking about a good Rebbe in high, in high school. So there's different levels of boys in the classroom. But more than that, what happens is, and I made a simple cheshman from my own experience, there's a test every few weeks. The amount of times the Rebbe had to say over the material 
every sugya was my, at one point the Medichesim was like 30, 40 times. So he's chazering all the raid, everything, the blot, the Gemara Rashi, Tysus, he's eating, being ass on every single Oyster Rashi. So now, can I ask you, on a mass scale, is getting tested on a crazy amount of time. Yeah, no one's checking if he's right or wrong because we knew, we assumed that he's right. But the point is, so Kanyevsky didn't even have a problem to answer these letters. Yeah. We're all nervous. Rechaim Kanievsky, he's not putting out his work on Kachim Tires. The answer is, he was able to put out, and I'm going to demonstrate in Mirza Shem um, in, in, um, in, in future episodes, in certain Svarim, you could see this uniqueness came from, he was being asked such questions, because they knew, who else could you ask? You ask, I don't know. So he took the information that he got from his learning, and he was able to apply it and think and use it for everything. So he was also gaining this Nakuda, Similar to what I'm saying, building off that flaw and others. Ultimately, he gained also, and that's why I feel is that he was Pasha Chazara, was Chazara. He, he was able to answer questions. Now, this is an Akuda, this is my Chiddush with Rechaim Kanievsky. It could be I'm right, it could be I'm wrong. I'm right that it's a true concept, but if, it, if it's true for Rechaim Kanievsky, who knows? And it, it, the point is just to bring out the Limud for us also, that sometimes people are nervous. You learn with a, sh- a guy that's not at the same level as you, especially in yeshiva world, is always a thing. You know, yeah, the bacher, the guy you're learning with has to be a matzuyan and whatever. And the point is, no, Adarab, a lot of times, if you learn with a shvacher guy, as long as the person's interested in learning, it forces you to have to explain the things and you get a, clar- a, a much greater clarkite in the thing. This is a Kabbalah I actually have for my father. He used to always tell me, get a chavrusa, it's better to get a guy that knows it less than you because it's going to force you to have to make sure to know what's going on. And you have, and you're, if it, and this, and we see, so this is an akut that I'm taking out from Rukhan Knevsky with these letters. So it wasn't only that he's doing the chesed, and it's not only this nakuda of that he's, it's a chalik of being Marbet's Tyra, but it's an akuda in the Marbet's Tyra of the hafla. That don't worry about you thinking you're going down in levels, you're going to remain just fine. Now, there's another nakuda which relates to all this, which relates to this nakuda the Minsk Gadol, which was like this. How did Rabbanim write all these chubas to other people? It's, a, it's sort of a chutzpah, let's say. So my my claim that I've made um, in researching chuva svarm of achreinim is as false. On one hand, we find a rav has asked the question, so you can answer him. All of a sudden, you see if you look sometimes at some chuvas, they're pages and pages long. What's going on over here? Not only that, so in certain Chuvas form you'll see, they're not even about a Halachalamaisa question. It could be about a Sugi and Kachim. It could be about a Sugi and Archaim. It could be a, pages and pages. What's going on here? So my, my claim was, and others make this claim also, is basically is in those days, a, a Rav was a Rav and let's say a small little, a small little shtetl or something. He might not even had anyone to talk to in learning. So his way of keeping up in learning and discussing learning was through letters. <clears throat> Today, the world is a whole different way the world is. There's a telephone, there's emails, there's all different things. The, the speed that everything goes, it's its hard for us to imagine. But in those days, there was no telephones. When someone wrote a letter to another person, it took forever till you got the response and everything. So there was an, so it, 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 there's a term in the academic world, Republic of Letters. But basically, the way Rabbanim kept up and built and and remained top of their game was goofa through writing letters. So Akihila wants their Rav to be writing letters because this is his way of him speaking and learning and keeping his skills. Now, with that in mind, so Rebchaim Kanievsky, okay, so you could say he's answering these guys, these letters, and maybe it's keeping him, uh, not maybe, it's keeping him up, I said, because it's keeping on his toes because he's getting all these exotic questions also. Okay, on one hand, that's true. Now, I'm going to go back now to discuss way, way back. Rechaim Kanievsky, we know, was born in 1928. 
There's a fellow Bnei Bracker who's today the, one of the great Kedoylim of Klal Yisrael, Rabdoi Vlandau. He was born in 1930, so he's only two years younger than Rechaim Kanievsky. Bliyayin Hara, he's 94 years old. Now, the, what's fascinating is he lives in Bnei Brak, and I believe he lived in Bnei Brak at the time. Around 1958, which would mean Rabdoiv was 28 years old. Now, it could be really the letters started earlier, but they start a correspondence which spans from 1958 till 2008 of letters. What was published was 123 letters between these two giants, Rabdoiv Landau and Chaim Knievsky. Now, Reb. In recent years, in recent months, actually, um, Rabbi Shua Inbal, a prof- prolific writer of today, a contemporary writer of today, a tremendous Talmud Chacham, put out a work called Echad HaYavram, Sefer Zikaron L'Ron Chazanish. In the back, he has a, f- um, a whole nice section of hundreds of pages devoted to the Chazanish and his base Medrash, and he has a whole section about Rechaim Knievsky and Rodev Land on these letters, and he has interesting points as he learned through these letters, different chaps, that, things that he was aimed on in the correspondence between the two, Ayn Sham, this book uh, recently arrived in America, um, even though I think on the internet it seemed like someone once, uh, attempted to put it in some, some type of cheirin, but anyway, a very interesting book, which I'm working on the, um, um, different aspects to discuss about this, about this work. But he has a few pages devoted to this cashier between Rudolf Landau and Rechaim Kanievsky. Okay. So as I said, this begins in 1958, um, and and just to give a little sense of what we're talking about here, there is um, what causes me to be in a spell when I picked up these letters. I, the, the letters came out in 2022 while Chaim was still alive, volume one, and then afterwards volume two came out. I start looking at these letters, and I'm just, I, Chalisha Sadas, that's down. You literally want, I once heard that when Rodolf Lander and Chaim Kanievsky met, and they met. They, so, so the letters, it's an interesting thing. They met, they live in Bnei Brak, they don't live so far from each other. But the, the people, the way someone once told it to me years and years ago was, they just spoke in Marma Kindness. They'd say, oh, Gemara that. Is, yeah, that Gemara this, to answer. Like, they knew the Ramazim that each one was referring to, and you just watched two giants ping-pong back and forth called Terakula. But, okay, that's a story that I heard. All of a sudden, now I see these letters, 120 letters, and you see this is exactly what's happening. We're talking about, I'm not talking about Ravdoi Vlanda, Rosh Yeshiva, Slobodka, they're handling in Yeshiva Shemasechtis. We're talking about over here, Zram, Kachim, Tyrus, Be'iun. We're talking about the unim and paid letters, not one ha'ara that he pumped open up a teisefta. No, a bunch of ha'aras teisefta erichin. A few letters on teisefta and babakama. This is this is crazy. I'm thinking, how many people even? Okay, people know that teisefta is found in the back of the gemara, but that's usually about it. I'm saying, look at a teisefta, forget about. Then you have in in one the unim on the tarskei hanim. Okay, again, this is going back and forth between the two people. Normally, it's famous. Rav Dave Landa writes very bekitzer. In these letters, he really writes out what he's saying. And sometimes Rav Dave says, I just don't understand what he's saying, but the letters are incredible. Lamashal, to see two Russians, to, to see two Gedolim handling a Radak and a Rabag and somewhere in Tanakh, that it's also, you know, not in the in the regular standards of, of what you're learning. Okay. Um, of course, they're both um, um, heavily influenced by the great Chazanish. Uh, many handle rise in all different chazanishes in all his farm. Tons and tons of aras back and forth about Mishnah Bura, which again in Bnei Brak is a very important safer based on the chazanish, which we've already discussed. But then you have like exotic things such as the safer Maisa Taira of the Gera, 
all of a sudden, it seems Rodolfo Lander got a copy. He had a few horrors. And he's like, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense. So who does he write to? Who even knows what the safer is? We're not talking about uh, we're talking about the Bryce and my third. Now, if you listen to season one, we actually devoted a few minutes of episode to discuss this. But most people I don't really think know anything about the Mice Third the Gras. But Rodolfo Landau is learning it, and then Rukhan he has he has questions on it. Who does he ask? Rukhan Kanyaski has pages of answering it back and forth, and they don't buzz up. At one point, um um Reb Doiv starts, um, starts out with a Ramban and Chumash, a Tarus Gaihanam, he moves to a Mearik, he ends up with a Targum Unclus, he ends up with a Targum Yuchus. Rebchan Kanevsky writes him back, handling again. It, it just, it's just simply Halisha Sadas to watch these two giants going back and forth and just turn the pages without even knowing what they're talking about. One is just blown away to see just what's, what's happening here. Okay. Just to pull out a few very quick nakudas um, from the from these things is like this. One is Rudaiv wrote him Ha'aris on on his farm on time of the Kra, Nachalis on the various Masechtas Katana, his curious Melech, dozens of Ha'aris on Rebchaim Sefer on the Rambam, Nachalis on also dozens of Ha'aris, and Rebchaim answers them. And what's fascinating to me also was is that it's not Rebchaim writing Cain Loi. In some of them, Rebchaim is writing real. Answers a few lines discussing handling, handling even a deacon, a Mishnah Bura, or anything, or the other things that the Sugas come up. And it's just you're watching, and it's like with such a like, not it's like it's not again, it, it could be I'm reading into this, this last sentence I'm about to say. Chaim is like, ready, whatever you want to just throw at me, I'll have an answer for you. But it's it's an incredible thing. Um, you also see Dave Landell and Marshall throwing out a safe for Tishbu from Rally Bacher. I found that fascinating. Okay. Anyway, as I'm going through the letters, Lamashal Rechaim Knievsky was working on Shaina Halachas. So, who does he ask to look through the letters of Shaina Halachas? He asks her, the, the, sorry, not the letters, the Chibur Shaina Halachas. He says to Rudaiv, could you please go through Erevin, one of the most complex areas of Archaim? And Rudaiv does do so at, at, because of the request of Rechaim Knievsky. Okay. At one point, um, he Reb Dov writes uh, Ara about the Shaina Halachas, and he says um, that it's um, it's a very important sefer, and I also am going to be kaveya mekvias to go through it. It's a tremendous chus that you have by writing the sefer. This is on the Shaina Halachas, which we've spoken about also. That some people are like, okay, what's the big deal? What was the great, what's the great story behind the sefer? Why you why did Chaim Kanievsky even write it? Okay, so this is another nakuda that um, that was um, came up in these letters about the Shaina Halachas. Okay, one second. Fine. Now, so the question is like this: Did he, what was going on? Why was he writing these letters? The answer is Rechaim Knievsky asked him to write them. Rechaim Knievsky was appreciative of this, and so much so that at some point it seems Reb Dov didn't want to write. So Rechaim Knievsky says, "Please continue." writing don't i it's unbelievable and again why am i what i think is is because this nakuda of talk, it was a talking and learning type of thing so when you talk um, um basically at one point he says Allah he writes at the end of the letter you think that the letters are tircha for me add the rabbi your words are so important and nice to me. I answer you right away. And and Kaseder one will find Rukhain Knievsky saying this to him early on in their early, in their correspondence as it began. Um 
about um, about these letters. Okay, I'm gonna. I just want. I just want to share with about three, four things from these letters. Hold on, I just marked off the pages all messed up. Sorry. Um, let's see. Okay, one in one letter, Rukhain Knievsky says to Dave, this is a Parshish Bayes, Parshish Bereshis in 1960. Okay, so he writes him like this. Sorry, you have to be Michael me. I got your letter between Yom Kippur and Sukkis. And we already know in Chazal, Vayikaraba, that you have to be busy. And then he says, I couldn't write because I guess he held, even writing Torah, not to write during Chalamoy. This is what Kanievsky Which is not an Akuda, Kiyadur, Rukhain Kanievsky, Al P. Nakudis was. was Okay, so this is just Derek Agav in a letter. You see Rukhan Knievsky writing and excusing himself. Why is he not answering him right away? Okay. Um, then he, um, when he writes to Rudaiv, um, he writes, Yedidi harav ha'goyin charuf u'baki sinai This is in 1960. This is, we're not, you know, we're talking about way, way back. Okay. Then he asked Rechaim, does a mind to do it? He says, Adarabah, please keep on sending these letters. And and he and Sandy did. He wrote 123 letters. He would go through all the Svarim Rechaim Knievsky, whether it was Derech Muna, and as I said, different Svarim, and, he, and he, they back and forth about this. Okay. I'm just going to hold on. I have over here marked off. There's too many different things to quote. We're not going to give five shiurim just to discuss all the fascinating things in here. But let me just see if I was able to find. Another time he writes, you should, you don't, I'm, I'm wondering why you're being not that you're writing me these letters. I already wrote you, Kama pa'amim shemichtavav etzli lo'oinig v'simcha. V'adar abamini uminei testayish ma'itza. Again, the same concept. Okay. Second, but I'm being repetitive. Wait. Then at one point, it seems Rudaiv was uh, wrote a bunch of artists about time of the crow, and then he, he says he apologize. apologizes that he's writing a little um, sharp. Um, so Chaim says, "What are you talking about?" from your letters okay so basically yes you wrote to me and uh, you don't have to apologize this is how um, um this is how learning is okay so now just to be messiah with three nakudis from these letters um, um three more nakudis um tyridika nakudis um takeaways from these letters one was um davin vasikin so interestingly enough in, in the course of a correspondence over here Chaim Kanevsky writes what about davin vasikin so Chaim Kanevsky writes or david lander as follows ms yeshlit star tuva Basically, Rechaim Knievsky is saying the great importance of davening Vasikin. Then they handle this Mishnah that they were handled. But then, in the in the course of some other letters, he also um, discusses again about the importance of Davening Vasikin. Um, I think Rabdaiv wrote him something about it, so Rechaim responds about this Nakuda. Okay, so this is one such letter that another fascinating Derek Agav reading through these letters. Okay, 
Another interesting thing was as follows. I'm reading the letter, and Rav has a question in Hilchus Avelis. There was an Ainan, and the person wanted to know if he could sit on the floor um, like an Avel. So um, Rav is asking Rav Kanievsky, what does he know about it? Okay, says Rav Kanievsky, Kfar Don Bezer Michal, Vehevi B'Shem Pei Mem, Lahakel Ayin so for me, this was a fascinating find, and I'll explain to you why. What's going on? Who's this Remichel? And the answer is very simple. And why is this a fascinating Nakuda? I'm just going to be Metatzer, um, just say two points over here. Many, many years ago, I was looking into the Luach of Rav Tukashinsky as a halachic work. Do we rely on it or not? So a friend of mine told me that his father had learned in Slobotka and he heard B'Shem Reb Daiv. Reb Daiv Landau said, you want to know what to do? Look in the Luach and do the exact opposite. So here I found fascinating. Reb Daiv is asking Hilchus Avela Shailat Reb Chaim Knievsky, what does Reb Chaim Knievsky say? Look, the Kvar Don Bezer Michal Tukashinsky, the author of the Gesher Achayim. Fascinating Maramakim for me. And we see that even Reb now, what's so significant is Rabbi Chilmichel Tukashinsky for Chaim Kanievsky is a person not so Pasha she should be quoting. We know he's the Mandarma, he's the Paisik that argued on the Chazanish with the Dayline Shaila. And here we see he's, he's saying, don't worry, look at it. Now, this is obviously part of a great story relating to the relationship between Bnei Brak and Yerushalayim, the Luach Veret Yisrael, Rav Tukashinsky, the Chazanish, the what the base measure, the, the newer generation of the Chazanish, Talmidim, and the Yachas to Rav Tukashinsky. This is a topic I'm actually in the middle of, of working on, um, which we'll discuss shortly, uh, uh, a tiny prod about it. And then to the Messiah. Rechaim Kanievsky, a lot of times, they'll be handling something, and not a lot of times, but sometimes also Rechaim Kanievsky, you know, something. It's in Yon de Yaima. So says Rechaim Kanievsky, Purim, we, we just had Purim, so I'm going to tell you Ha'ara relating to Purim, and this is what I will be Messiah with this Ha'ara, is like this. He was answering Rav Daiv, and then he says, it's, it was, I, he answered this to Rav Daiv on Tainus Esther. So he says like this, I was asked a question, um, which I was always wondering, and is as follows. We do, Aseris B'nei Haman, we say, B'neshima Achas. Why? So everyone knows, because they all died at once. So first of all, what's this nace or not? What, what's, the, what's the big deal that they died at once? And what's going on? Um, how do we even know this? But, but more than that, what's this, this thing of doing it, B'neshima Achas? We don't really find this anywhere else. Okay. It says Rechaim Kanievsky, an Akuda in this story, he says like this. From the fact, if you look at the Psukim and you read the Psukim, Ace Parshan Dalfan, blah, 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 right? Sarah's Mehaman, it sounds like they were killed one after the other. But we know they really died at once. Now, the point is, it's impossible to say 10 names at once. So you have to write it one after the other. So how in the world are we massacring this Nakuda to be Magish that the Taka died at once, this great Nase? is by saying a Neshima Achas. So it comes out that, says Reb Chaim, that sometimes, and we find this other places also, that the trap and the Tamim is what helps understand something. And that's, it's not Likuva, but there was no other way to get, so that's why it's only found over here, such a thing of Neshima Achas. Why? Because we want to bring out this Nakuda that it was Taka that they died all at once. Now, what's the significance of why they died at once that we have to discuss in Masechtas Megillah? But anyway, the point is, here was a thing that Rechaim Kanievsky was handling something with him. 
So he right away says, oh, it's Purim. Let me just tell you how that I came up with for this question. Okay, in a different letter, which is also around Purim time, where they were already handling a Targum Shani on Megillus Esther, says, okay, we're Rechim Vegan Targum Shani, let me tell you how Aro and Targum Shani. The kids are, the point they're trying to bring out is like this. Rechim Kanievsky had this correspondence with Dov Landa, which spawned years and years and years. Earlier years, it was much more often. Later on, there could be uh, one point is a gap of 10 years, and this is probably when they both got much, much busier and they didn't have the time. But this is a way that I'm claiming is to see if someone wants to see Halisha Sadas of Kalatari Kula of Jews, even Rabdiv Landa, who's still alive today in Bnei Brak, this is a Yid, we're talking Kalatari Kula, everything with Rechaim Knievsky, but it's also a Nakuda which is behind Rechaim Knievsky to letters. This is a way of talking and learning or handling and learning or keeping one on their toes. So Rechaim Knievsky appreciated Rebdoiv's letters, and I'm not saying that Rechaim Knievsky was happy and was running after letters because there were letters that he didn't answer for whatever Cheshbaris he had, but the point is, as a whole, these letters, uh, even though we might think that they take away from his learning, um, um, I'm claiming that they kept him on his toes. And and just to mention, it's known Rukhain Knievsky had these tests, which we might discuss a little bit more at a later point. But the point is, these tests would be these type of things, like weird questions, like you look at the Masechta, how do you know this thing in the Masechta? And the answer is, his mind kept him being trained. He was basically hazarding his Torah, his Chayvus, as we called, Kaseider Yom Velayla, through these questions and through these dealings with people. Incredible, incredible, fascinating information. One point, um, perhaps you alluded to it a little bit. Rebchaim Kanievsky and Dov Landau were probably within like a 10 minute walk of each other. Yeah, but maybe even less. That's what I'm saying. That's, what's, that's what I find so interesting about this whole thing. It's not like, okay, they both didn't have telephones or they used telephones. I understand. but the, And the young, if you know they started their correspondence in the 75, okay, we say that we're talking about, they started this when the 28 and 30, they, they, they're able to walk. So the answer is there was there's there's a nachan akuda over here which I didn't go into which I might go into is there's an akuda in writing and that's another nakuda by Rebchankinsky is a very important thing but we'll deal with it a different and point. there's probably someone who could track with today's historical information that they met when they met how they met they probably were meeting each other all the time yeah. also yeah I. I as far as I know, they did meet. Uh, I mean, say even in the letters, there's times oh, we met, we discussed, and there's times in the letters you could see it's because something they had a conversation about. So they met, they met, uh, they met enough times. And then you have to also understand, we today, me at least, the way I'm growing up is I'm by me, Ray Rukhankinsky was not accessible pretty much for most of my the time that it would have been a game. And you watch all the videos and there's thousands of people, but there was a time not so far back that. There wasn't anyone driving crazy. He was able to sit on saying there's pictures of him, you know, he's 80, sitting at a regular table in a public place learning. There's there are such things. So in, we're talking about when he's 28 and it's Bnei Brax, as big Bnei Brax as today. We 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 saw last year, you know, but saying it's not it's not it's not what that was not the Bnei Brax of when they're 28 and 30. Okay, you want to show us safer? Yeah, so one thing just because I alluded to it is Sometimes a word comes out, which is uh, which is a game changer in understanding a lot of different things, and that goes back to something I just spoke about a few minutes ago. I mentioned the Rebbechil Michal Tukachinsky. So everyone knows he's famous for the Luach, and Rabbanim known from Geshar Chaim, and others known from different works of his, and he's famous for being in the Dateline Shaila, um, um, the person that argues with the Chazanish. Anyway, a few um, a few months ago, right after um, Sukkot, a beautiful work comes out, two volume Chuvis of Rebbechil Michal Tukachinsky. Also including topics on this man and Likutim on Zram and these type of stuff. Tons of Sakim, things, correspondences of his with Gedailim. 
And some of the letters over here are fascinating. There's fascinating things. And one of the fascinating things about these volumes is you get the behind the scenes of, of the development of the Luach of Eretz Yisrael. Also, besides all the many other things, there's Psakim of the Adaris, Psakim of Shmuel Salant, that this is only Makar. He was able to know that Adaris. And other different fascinating materials about different controversies involved. There's also some Chiburim that he started to write, the controversies relating to his Luach. All could be found in these two volumes, these two beautiful volumes called, um, it's called Shut Hagrimit. It looks like this. Two beautiful volumes available in Eretz Yisrael and I believe in America at this time that just came out. And because we just spoke about them, we were able to kill two birds with one stone. Okay. Thank you very much. Looking forward to what could possibly be the closing episode, the finale, season two of Reb Chaim Kanayevsky.